Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Jordan, I have a of a new lifestyle guru. Congratulations. I don't th- I've never had a lifestyle guru before, but I'm I think I'm going to do the have a lifestyle guru thing. Oh, are you want to be one or you want to have one? You want to follow one? I want to follow one like the way people put the put eggs in their vaginas because of Gwyneth Paltrow. Hold on. Yeah, hold, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you, bro. You gooping? You gooping, I'm not bro? ready to goop. I think I have a lifestyle. Oh, my bro's gooping. I'm not gooping. <laughs> He's gooping over here. I put the egg in my butt. Come on, just put put the egg in your butt. Gwyneth's doing great. She won it's an Oscar. Stuck. It's going to get stuck in my butt. Well, not if you, not if you use Gwyneth's uh, organic egg lube. That's going to get it more stuck. It's going to no, go higher it, into my butt. It has a little menthol tingle too. I do like the tingle. The tingle is nice. It has a little tea tree oil. Yeah, the tea tree oil. <laughs> to prevent ingrown hairs. Yeah. That, listen, just lube up the egg before you put it in there. Cram her up. Get your Oscar. Shakespeare in Love 2, starring Jesse Thorne. I don't need Gwyneth Paltrow. With an egg up his ass. I have a lifestyle guru in mind. Okay. He's a rapper from San Francisco named Larry June. Mm-hmm. Great rapper. New favorite rapper. I was trying to think of how to characterize his lifestyle guru-ness. Okay. He's not exactly a gangster rapper because he doesn't really rap about violence at all. But he's pretty hood. You know, like he's he's not like a backpack alternative type rapper. But he is kind of a lifestyle guru. And I thought I've been really inspired by his lyrics lately because I've been listening to his songs. He just came out with a with a new record. I texted it to my childhood best friend, Petey, and he just texted me back, was about to text you this shit. It's just like a whole fucking Frisco lifestyle that I think you could learn a lot from, even as a really chill Southern California dude, mm-hmm. which of course you are. I think there's a lot to be learned from Larry June and his lyrics. So what I did is I just made a quick list of six Larry June lyrics that I found inspirational that I think you might find inspirational. Beautiful. I can't wait to hear them. This one is from his song, Lifetime Income. Whipping up a smoothie, counting hundreds, watching Shark Tank. <laughs> right? Great. That's the life, right? Count of fucking hundreds. You need to know how many you have. Smoothies, great way to get in your uh, vitamins for the day. A nice meal replacement. Sometimes you're still hungry after it. So, you know. Well, he, he tends to make a green smoothie. Okay. And he raps a lot about how he has a Vitamix. And yeah, I mean, Shark Tank, great kind of passive background show. Here's one from a song called... I like it already. song called Mission Bay. It's a nice day. I'm sipping tea and I'm reading. If she's bringing drama in my life, she's deleted. <laughs> Beautiful. Don't, we don't need it, Jordan. We don't need it. We have our tea. Right. We have our reading. We are just trying to be chill with our smoothie and our shark tank. This is tea, the beverage, not like, you know, hot gossip, because that, you know. No, that's the last thing fucking Larry June needs. 
Okay. This guy doesn't need a bunch of fucking drama. If you bring a bunch of hot goss into his life, you're fucking deleted. Okay. So this is great. I like tea, the beverage. I yeah. like reading. I'm currently on board. I have not, I have not gotten off board yet. Uh, can I give you one for relationship goals? Mm-hmm. This is from a song called Watering My Plants. It's a rap song. <laughs> it's a fucking heavy ass rap song called Watering My Plants. It's a real song. We can take a walk in the park. Imagine that. You got a new apartment. We can go get you some plants. Fuck yeah. It's great. Let's get some fucking plants, dude. This one is from a song called Breakfast in Monaco. So pristine, you will not see a flaw in my diamonds. Just for context, he has a lot of diamonds. Okay. He's very successful. He makes a lot of his own money. He doesn't have a manager, so nobody takes a cut. So pristine, you will not see a flaw in my diamonds. Birds chirping. I did the green juice. She did the iced coffee. Yeah, I mean, this is great. I mean, you know, I'm on board. I just wonder if we are going to go with him instead of Gwyneth. Yeah. Where does he stand vis-a-vis pussy candles? So I don't know, but he's really pro-passive income. He's got this one song where he's talking with his mom on the phone about whether he should buy property in Atlanta, like rental property. That seems like a good idea. Okay, so well, this seems this seems sensible. Um, yeah. You know, so far all the recommendations are within my budget, which is great. This is another kind of beverage one. Mm-hmm. Looking at these nice views, carrots in my fresh juice. Jumped in the six three, hopped on the one hundred one. Exit at Stinson Beach. Pretty girl next to me. Early morning, heat the seats. Stop for some green tea. Are all the drinks kind of in this? kind of Whole Foods zone? Because I think usually when you think of like a rapper rapping about a drink, it would be like, you know, their vodka. An alcoholic drink. Yeah. You know, it's all about juices. Okay. Um, Certain Some teas, mostly organic juices. I mean, does a smoothie count as a drink? Uh, You know, listen, do we need another hot dog as a sandwich in the world? That's a good point. Arguably. He's got a good song about eating empanadas with a girl from Granada. Great rhyme. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm all for you making this uh, a lifestyle, and I'm going to say a smoothie's a drink. This one's for you, Jordan. This is the last one. Okay. It's just one I thought would really mean a lot to you. It's from a song called Don't Check Me. You're supposed to check your B. Right now, I'm in the booth. After this, I'm going swimming. Terrific. Don't you think that could be our new life, Jordan? Right now, I'm in the booth. After this going swimming i mean i think just kind of listening to all of this this is currently my life yeah it's fucking incredible there's nothing in here how's your passive income though jordan oh yeah that's i guess that's all i gotta yeah i mean property in atlanta and this is basically this is basically a guy wrapping my life i guess i don't do a lot of smoothies either okay so i'm i'm not quite as there as i thought i was can i ask you a question does i do drink a lot of tea though does a liquado count as a smoothie? I mean, that's a type of smoothie, right? I don't know what a liquado is. It's like a Mexican dairy fruit blended beverage. Oh. I think that's that's basically a smoothie, right? You don't have to put powders in there or what or vegetables or something. I mean, I I I don't know anything about it, so I'm going to I'll go with you. If you ask me, I'm asking you. I'm asking you. If you ask me, a liquado is a smoothie and a vampiro is a juice. That's mm. a type of juice. That's a that's like a vegetable drink with beet juice in it, so it's red. That's why it's called a vampiro. 
Isn't there some sort of like flat kind of taco thing that's called a vampiro? Uh, there may be. Riley Silverman is nodding her head. She may just be, she may just be encouraging us. <laughs> go guys, go keep talking. Yes, this is great. <laughs> the energy is off the charts. Our guest, Riley Silverman is a stand-up comic, uh, an internet video celebrity, and now an author the author of the brand new book, Star Wars, Exploring Tatooine, an illustrated guide. It's an all ages book that showcases the landmarks, grand arenas and watering holes made famous by the iconic desert covered locale of Tatooine. Now, I could not be more excited about this unless if I was a top level Star Wars guy. Of course, I'm a medium Star Wars guy. The great Riley Silverman is our guest on the show. Hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited. Thrilled to have you. Now, do you, do you know about a, a taco-like food that's called a vampiro? I think there's like a vampire-style taco. I think it might be a taco that has like garlic to it. I've been to a few different mm. taquerias that have like vampire style. And that's I, I think that's... Which is weird because if you're a vampire, you think you wouldn't want the garlic tacos. But Right. That would kind of be an anti-vampiro. Yeah. Maybe it's like a longer title. It's like keep the vampires away taco, but... No mas vampiro. Yeah. I'm looking on the internet here, and by the way, great content. This is great content. Me Googling something and kind of describing it. Oh, I thought you just meant uh, that the internet was great content. <laughs> Have you guys seen this thing? It's a great idea. It's never, never shared us wrong once. It's a great place to see what's going on with the band Lit. And to buy a pussy candle. Okay, what is going on with the band Lit? Because I've never heard of the band Lit in a very long time. So, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I was just I was just drawing on a recent internet video that I watched. Okay, uh, Lit, uh, kind of famous for the kind of late '90s, pretty annoying pop punk song where the riff is da 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 this is my own worst. Okay, because yes. I was actually thinking I couldn't say I could not name a single lit song until you started singing it, and I'm like, nah, damn it, I do know at least one lit song. This is like a big trend on TikTok to be like, hey, we're a band from the '90s, make us relevant again, and then they do like it's like a, <laughs> a, it's like a lot of I see a lot of bands doing. It. Everyone's trying to get that Max from Eve six vibe, but like not not everyone has the like energy to be like you know a complete like nihilist on on Twitter. So yeah, <laughs> hey guys, we're Marcy Playground. Get us some residuals. <laughs> <laughs> We think you can get us residuals. Get us some radio play. Anyway, Vampiro. All right. I want to... <laughs> Wait, what about this? What? Yo, dogs, it's me, DMX. I'm dead, but my family still needs to eat. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. DMX. Okay, so a Vampiro <laughs> is a kind of a taco-like thing. This uh, article describes it as a, the love child of a taco, tostada, and a quesadilla. So it's like a kind of a crunchy okay. tortilla spread with kind of taco stuff. And then there's a vampiro that is a cocktail that includes fruit juice, spices, fruit soda, fresh lime, and tequila. So there you go. So is there nothing garlic about it? So I've just been assuming these are like garlic heavy tacos this whole time with absolutely no basis in that reality. Yeah. Riley, you've been scarfing these things down, hoping they're going to... No, I haven't been getting them. I've been afraid to get them and now I can go for them apparently. <laughs> oh, wait. So wait, do you want 
I'm confused. Do you want more vampires or fewer vampires? I, I'm pretty happy the amount of vampires that I have, but I, I always am looking to have more tacos in my life. So if I've been avoiding okay. a taco because I'm not a giant garlic fan now, I feel like I can go to town on this particular taco. You can absolutely go to town on this. This taco, this vampiro taco is from Sinaloa in Mexico. And this thing, this, uh, I'm not going to lie, this thing looks banging. Yeah, it does it has, it, the tortilla is grilled, so it's kind of wavy and crunchy and there's cheese on top of the tortilla and then taco shit on top of that and that sounds boss to me (laughs) sold one please the juice the vampiro juice is like some carrot juice and celery juice maybe that kind of thing and then it's usually orange juice and beet juice but the beet juice makes it super super red and it makes it taste a little bit like dirt i ordered one once I didn't want to drink all of it. <laughs> I drank some. Usually the amount of juice I get when I order a juice is too much. Oh, yeah. I just don't think I can drink as much juice as, as a serving dictates, you know? Here's the thing about ordering juice, and this is something that probably came up on the show four years ago because it's an experience that I had that seared itself into me indelibly, which is I had never been into a contemporary juice store. But I was on a street called York Boulevard in Highland Park, uh, California. And I think I was waiting for my car to get repaired or something. I had to be there for for a while. So I tried to go to the juice place. And the juice place I went to was the kind where you would get a liquado. But it was closed. It was unexpectedly closed. And it was really hot. And I was kind of hungry, but not hungry enough for food. And I'm like, I'm going to walk another block and see if there's a different juice place. And I I ended up looking at my phone. I'm like, oh, this is a, you know, North American juice place, but whatever. I'll drink that, right? Why why not? I don't need to have a liquado. I can have a pressed whatever the fuck. And I went into this place and juices cost $12. That's what a juice costs. The liquado costs $4. (laughs) 12 is so many dollars. How many carrots can they put in it? What you're paying for is the turmeric. Yeah, I guess it's that turmeric tax. Turmeric markup. Jeez Louise. Riley. Yes. Congratulations on kind of completing what is just such an amazing nerd feat. Yeah. Uh, For, I mean, I think you, I'm not speaking out of school when I say that you, you've devoted yourself to nerd pursuits. Is that, is that wrong? No, I, I don't think that's wrong. I think that I, th- I think I, I've often referred to myself as a professional geek having, you know, I've, yeah, I've written for Sci-Fi Wire, I've written for Nerdist and stuff like that. So I think it's it is definitely the realm that I am into. Yeah. So you wrote a Star Wars thing. That's so fucking cool. Yeah, I, I'm still it still kind of like hits me in random waves sometimes. Like I don't I remember the day very clearly. It was April of 2021 when I was like. I was actually in the middle of recording a podcast that I do with some friends of mine, a Doctor Who podcast, and then we took a break, and I checked my email, and the subject line is from my manager, and it just says, it's a foreword from my now editor for this book, but it said, uh, attention, it said, like, Riley Silverman, possible Star Wars gig, and that's the day that I died, so I've been dead ever since then, (laughs) so that's been sad. Did you think for a second 
that you were going to get to be R2-D2. <laughs> Possible Star Wars gig can involve a lot of things. Yeah, it, that, that's the thing. that It is. It was not. It was. There was definitely like, I was like, wait a minute, what does this mean? Because there also there's like 30 shows. So it's like, are they are they hoping to have me be a staff writer? They were not. Unfortunately, they were not having me be a staff writer. But they were like, do you want to write a Star Wars book? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, I'll do it for free. And my manager's like, well, let's not tell them that information. So then we, you know, got that worked out. And I wrote that book. <laughs> and then a few months later, I got asked to do two more books. So that was very fun as well. So I think that Amy Sedaris being on The Mandalorian really made it so that we all think we can be on Star Wars. Like once Amy Sedaris is in there, I mean, obviously we're not perfect geniuses like she is. Yeah. But there's no one can say it's less appropriate for us to be a Star Wars than Amy Sedaris, the famous crafting and bunny rabbit adoption celebrity. <laughs> well, if you want to learn more about Amy Sedaris's character, Pelimoto, who lives on Tatooine, you can check that out in my book, Exploring Tatooine. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I made sure to put her in there. So. Do we have her height and blood type too? <laughs> um, no, unfortunately. Okay. It's okay. I mean, I have Amy's real one. If you want that after the show, I'm happy to give it to you. That would be great. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank God. Yes, please. If you would put that in the yeah. chat, that'd be great. Yeah. Can I have a little bit of her real blood? <laughs> I It's pretty precious to me, so we'll talk prices later. But yeah. Thank you. It's very precious. I put it in my tacos. So I always remember those these types of books when I was a kid, which I was very into. Not just like the Star Wars encyclopedias, but like X-Men encyclopedias, stuff like that. It was always interesting to see that they had decided on like a character's height and blood type at, at a certain point. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know my own blood type, let alone like Batman's blood type. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't know mine. I know Gambit's. <laughs> I've often thought that if I start bleeding, I'm a keep bleeding because I have no idea what kind of blood they should put in me. Sure. <laughs> Whatever you give Jean Grey. <laughs> the rapper Jean Grey. I could find out what her blood type sure, is. Sure, yeah. If you get the foil card, you got to get the foil card. The... <laughs> <laughs> my, my son went through a period where he was getting these books that were Lego guides to things, but the Lego guides to things, there is like a parallel Lego world of the thing. Yeah. It's and wild. so it will like list the blood type, but the blood type is just Lego or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like it is all <laughs> in its own weird Lego world. Yeah. There's a whole line of like Lego star Wars, like, cartoons and stuff that are all on on like disney plus and such and it's wild because some of them like does feel like it's it's continuing from the canon of the movies that have aired but then other things are like well but this is not quite the same thing as what happened in the movies so it's a weird mix of things yeah what would you make out of legos jordan you they got lego indiana jones and lego star wars lego marvel superheroes oh, yeah i was i we had legos when i was a kid but i did not have lego patience i did not yeah. have like i think that lego appeals to a certain kind of kid who like wants to sit quietly and read instructions oh yeah well there's two like let, let's be fair sure there's two types of lego child one wants to follow the instructions. This is called a Ben Harrison. Uh, our friend Ben Harrison will build a 20,000-piece Lego set for fun. There's another kind that just wants a pile of Legos to 
build spaceships out of. I was that kid. <laughs> yeah, you build as many as, as yeah. weird and lumpy a spaceship as you can out of the pile. You riff. And then you throw it into a wall so it breaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would build spaceships that use parts of castles and pirate ships and all those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's the other type. Yeah. And I think as a fidgety kid, I love the clicking. Ooh, you can click them. Yeah. Click those. Click clack. Du- you know what clicks nice is a Duplo. Oh, Duplo is a... Ni- well, Duplo, what's nice about a Duplo is that you get further. Right. The Legos are so small that you have to put so many Legos together to get somewhere. Whereas with Duplos, you know, 12 Duplos and you got a life-size donkey. Yeah. And... Yeah. uh you're less likely to choke on that donkey. Oh, God. I'm constant. I still eat Legos. It's like, what am I thinking? You know what I mean? <laughs> what am I thinking? Well, in your defense, they make lots of videos online of people making pizzas and burgers and ice cream out of Legos. And you're just falling for that trap. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. my wife says, she gets, she takes me by the shoulders. She says, Jesse, what are you thinking? You know? Jordan, would you... You know, you are, you're an experienced children's comedy entertainment and family comedy entertainment writer mm-hmm. what property are you entering into the irreverent world of lego oh i guess i guess i did spend a long time literally writing for a lego show that i forgot about uh, <laughs> yeah, so i guess i have written a bunch of unikitty which is a who is a lego character um yeah boy i mean i think i mean we were talking about this last week I mean, I think I would love to write for Lego Taxi. Yes. Riley, has your job writing Star Wars material intersected with your interest? Or I, I mean, maybe, the, would you call this an interest or would you call this a lifestyle? Being a, a Disney adult. I, I think, I think interest is probably my version of it. I think for okay. some folks it's a lifestyle. I think for me it is an interest because I, I, I maybe make it to Disney once every couple of months. Uh, if it's a busier time of year, I might go more often when there's cool things happening at the park. But I'm not one of these, like, I'm there every week or every multiple times a week folks. And that's mostly because I can't afford to be that person. But You're not hoarding pins, is what you're saying. No, that's like, I actually had to make an active choice to be like, I'm not going to become a pin person because I have just enough of like a compulsion kind of personality that I'm afraid that if I started collecting pins, I just have a stack of dusty pins in the corner of my room somewhere that would never get anything effectively done with them. So There's a fancy lad day at Disneyland that I think about going to every time they have like a a convention. Oh, Dapper Day. Dapper Day, yeah. And I think I should go like sell at the convention if sell put this on stuff at the convention. I'm like, well, these fancy dorks are exactly the demo, you know. And I look and it costs like five thousand dollars or something. <laughs> this thing must be off the chain. The number of fucking dresses with cherries on them you have to sell to make this Dapper Day money back. And a lot of them are like specially designed Dapper Day. Like they'll have like the mugs from the Tiki Room or they'll have like the maps to the, the different lands of the park and stuff on them, too. It's I, I've never made it to Dapper Day, mostly because I don't think that I can have that good of makeup for that long of a period of time in the Southern California sun. And I also mm. don't understand. I, I respect and fear anyone who can spend that long at Disneyland in high heels. But oh, no, yeah. sure, yeah. Yeah. That so. lifestyle, extraordinary. And plus, you'd have to keep your nylons straight, the seam on your nylons. 
It's a whole thing. Yeah. And the idea of wearing <laughs> nylons again in that SoCal sun is not, that is not a good day for me. So have you ever been to goth day? The only themed Disney day that I have done is gay day where you just go with like a red or, or, or other fun gay shirt. And then that's what we do. So <laughs> that's what the invitation says. Please wear a fun gay shirt. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. They actually like a lot of times they'll sell like the official gay day shirt. Like not Disney does not sell the official gay day shirt. Although this year was the first time that I've seen Disney actually be like, this is our Disney pride merchandise as opposed to being like Disney's rainbow merchandise. But yeah, like, they usually <laughs> Just like a rainbow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I don't know. What do you think it is? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's in case any fucking leprechauns come. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so look, look at all these good friends holding hands in the park but good yeah i'm going friends. for that good yeah. friends <laughs> i would 100 percent go to leprechaun day by sure. the way <laughs> fucking darby o'gill and the little people day at disneyland let's do this <laughs> yeah an ex-girlfriend of mine and i went on gay day wearing a shirt that said dole mates and it had two dole whips holding hands. <laughs> that's, that's solid that's a real the fact that it's my ex-girlfriend it makes it extra sad that we did that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry listen we, we should all find our dole mate someday <laughs> i was imagining that the shirt that they have there, the official shirt that you mentioned, is for people who don't wear a fun enough shirt. So they like get there and it's like going to a clubby restaurant where they hand you a sport coat and a necktie to wear. They're just like, I'm sorry, sir. This gay shirt is a four out of ten fun. You're going to have to wear one of the official shirts. We need, we need a gayer shirt for you. They're all double X, so just put it on over your regular clothes. <laughs> Riley, uh, you were telling me you had you tried to like take promo shots in the park and something happened? Yeah, my second book that I wrote is Galaxy's Edge Treasures from Batsu. It's a shorter little book. It's full of a bunch of little tchotchkes and stickers and stuff for kids to play with that are all themed around the Galaxy's Edge section of Disneyland Park. And I was there... And I like I had my friend take like pictures of me in line for Rise of the Resistance. Like when you're there's a part where you're on the ride and you come out of like a ship and there's a bunch of stormtroopers ready to take you into custody. So I like pose with me holding the book up for that. And then I was walking around the actual park and I there are stormtroopers who walk around who are like harassing you. But the thing that's funny is all their dialogue is pre-recorded and it's all activated by like finger tuts and stuff they do. It's not things that they're actively saying. So it's, you, they're always trying to figure out how to match whatever responses they already have in the can to whatever you say to oh, them. Oh, interesting. So there's, there's, they, they only have a certain amount of stock things that come out of the speaker. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's clearly so you don't get like one cast member who has a bad day who like starts spouting <laughs> off terrible things to children in a scorner mask. But so I, I had this, I was cornered and. These troopers walked up to me, and this wasn't like a planned thing. I, I didn't go ahead of time and go, hey, let's go ahead and do a cool PR thing. I looked like hell. But I, my friends started taking pictures of me because they walked up, and they were like, let's see your identification. I tried to do the Jedi mind thing on them and go, you don't need to see my identification. And then they like, as if like I was really being harassed by real cops, they like got in my face. And they were like, now we really want to see your identification. So I decided to be cute and pull my book out and be like, oh, I'm actually a writer writing about this planet. I'm here doing research for it or whatever. And this stormtrooper grabs my book and like shoves it in the face of like the cast member handling. Like, he just like really commits to this bit. And they're like, taking my book and like hitting it with their guns and like pointing at it and like like trying to like flip through it and stuff so we got all these awesome pictures the, wait riley is the premise here that these stormtroopers don't know what guns do uh, i mean like that's the premise of most of star wars i think is that stormtroopers don't know how their guns yeah, work that's fair. <laughs> 
Yeah. We're shooting these for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'd love to see uh, like the new re edit, the new George Lucas version of the Star Wars movies is like one of those scenes where they're, you know, going down a corridor and the stormtroopers are shooting the laser guns. But instead of doing that, they're just hitting books with the guns. <laughs> just... Take that, <laughs> Red Badge of Courage. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Disney World that DeSantis was. <laughs> <laughs> this book says gay. <laughs> um, I, so I did uh, Galaxy's Edge for the first time uh, a couple months ago. I'd never been. And, you know, obviously excited to see it. You know, I think I'm an upper medium Star Wars guy, so you know, thrilled to go. But the kind of interactive stuff I was worried about because I'm like, this is a leisure activity. I don't want to do improv. I don't want to be reminded of the most humiliating hobby I've ever had <laughs> in my life. So the thought of like doing little acties while doing a leisure activity was a little scary to me. Like I don't, you know, I don't know that I could do a little a little acty with these with these folks. You probably went at a good time then because I think they, they hadn't really ramped that up again a bunch a few months ago. I think if, like they kind of recently started filtering it back in towards a lot more active, but for a while they were being still pretty like stay away from the people. Vibe. And honestly, that is kind of what happened is I went and the Star Wars people were behaving like Disney employees and fucking an hour into this, I'm like, why is nobody hassling me? I want to get hassled. <laughs> nobody hassled me on the ride. Nobody hassled me in line for the blue milk. I don't know. I, How are you going to promote your book? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> hit this. Somebody should hit, hit this with something. <laughs> Will they hit any book that you wrote? Can I uh, Can I bring a book there that I worked on and have them hit it? Just bring Bubble by. See yeah. what happens. <laughs> yeah. Hit this. <laughs> God. I would love to go to that Star Wars. I'm not prepared to go to a whole trip to Disneyland to do it. Do you think they'll take it on the road at all? Could they bring it to Glendale or something? Like you can do it in a like an old Sears that closed. That's if if they put that Star Wars shit into a Sears that closed in Glendale, I'd have been there week two. I think you are describing a com a convention. Not week one because it'd just be too too busy. <laughs> there is that bar. There's that bar in like Hollywood that's called Scum and Villainy Cantina that used to be a little bit more in character, but now it's a little bit more of just a general nerd themed bar. But it still has that like Star Wars Cantina decorations and stuff to it. I went to that Scum and Villainy not too long ago and really had a great time. They really do a good job with it. I I really had fun, but yeah, there was like I could tell it was like mostly Star Wars. And it seemed like there were some stray ETs and xenomorphs around. And I yeah. that struck me as something they had to do legally. Yeah, like, when uh, it's all all sci-fi. All I don't know. It's all we don't know who any of these characters are. It's all What's the theme? <laughs> uh Mac and me, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when it first opened, it was a pop-up and it was only gonna be a limited time, and that was a lot more purely Star Wars, and then they kind of like softened it over time, probably for that reason. But I remember when they very first opened, somebody posted like the, the actual bar posted a picture of a, a couple of guys at the bar in Star Trek, like Starfleet uniforms. And this person in the comments immediately was like, 
this kind of bullshit's why I'll never go there. And I was like, <laughs> how can you have that much anger and lack of joy in your life? You're like, this whole thing is terrible because these two guys had a good night. I hope stormtroopers hit them with guns. Yeah. <laughs> like they were books. <laughs> um, did you already know everything about Tatooine, the desert planet of Star Wars, Riley? Or did you have to like, did you get access to secret files or something? A little mix of both. I, I knew a lot. I knew a lot more than I realized I knew when I was writing it. But yeah, I had to I had to build essentially a outline of all the sections that I was going to cover. And then I also like then went through and found a bunch of reference materials that I then would tell my editor like, hey, I need this set of these comics and I need this book that was published a while ago that has some stuff in it. So I basically got reference material. Nothing, nothing super secret. I didn't get anything that hadn't already, because the whole point of my book was supposed to be like, here's things that have already occurred. This is like a collection of stories as opposed to new content. So nothing was like secret stuff, but it was all things that had been established. And there's a whole, there's a whole thing where continuity is split between before Disney bought Star Wars and after Disney bought Star Wars. So anything that's not a movie and like a Clone Wars TV show from pre-Disney is not considered canon per se. So I couldn't include any of that. So I, had, I could only include things that were canon for the post-purchase era. So like anything in the Clone Wars, anything in the, the Marvel comics, anything in the like modern Marvel comics and anything in the movies was it was fair game. So I novel. mean, there's cool stuff that you can put in there. The original canon didn't have Goofy. It's true. Now there's Goofy in the in the jizz band. <laughs> sure, Luke's father was the Predator. Yeah, it's a lot. Of- you can just stick anything you want into Star Wars now. Yeah, yeah. Except Batman, I guess. Darth Prey. Have you been to Moss Mac and Me? By the way, that's one of the <laughs> cool towns of Tatooine. Bold of Disney to to purchase the rights to Mac and Me. <laughs> like we think we can rehab this thing. <laughs> My kid watched Mac and Me. I did not watch that much of it. But there is a dance sequence in a McDonald's, like a full production yeah. number. Didn't like McDonald's pay for that movie? Isn't that the like... It was like a huge tie-in, yeah. I could not... Like, when I say that there's a production number in a McDonald's, it's not a production number movie. Like, it's not a song and dance film. And it's pretty far into the movie, I think. There's... Like a five-minute full-on dance sequence in a McDonald's with like forty people fucking dancing and Ronald McDonald and shit. Yeah, I I think I watched a YouTube clip of that recently, kind of trying to like is one of those because we definitely rented Mac and Me as kids. I think we rented it from like Long's Drugs and just like watched it for family movie <laughs> night. Yeah, it was distributed exclusively to the one spinner rack of <laughs> rental videos at Longstrike. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Rite Aid was so mad. Yeah, like oh, I can't believe we lost the Mac and Me license. <laughs> yeah, you could get you either can rent Mac and Me or get one of those chunky Archie comics. <laughs> oh, I would go with the Archie comics. That was my yeah, I know. Back then. <laughs> it sounds very chunky. It made it into a recent. MSD3K season. I think the last Netflix run before oh. it went back to the Gizmoplex. I think I think there was a Mac and Me in there somewhere. That's where you fucking. If you're making MST3, if you're Joel Hodgson and Elliot Kalin, and you're looking at that fucking budget, you're like, this year we're blowing it all on Mac and Me. <laughs> it's Mac and Me, and the rest of the shit's public domain. Yeah. Our whole fucking acquisition budget is going towards this <laughs> ET knockoff made by McDonald's. Oh man, that has the cockiest will like attempt to say like we're going to have a sequel thing in that movie, which is my favorite part about it. Like there's like 
thing at the end where they're like driving away and they like edited in like a chewing gum bubble that like pops up behind the car that they're driving through and it says like we'll be back and it like pops and it's just like what a like complete like arrogance <laughs> they're they're setting up something like um well mac uh we we did it you say you know you saved the town i don't know what he's trying to do mac you did it you saved the town but now we got to meet the king the burger king <laughs> and kill him <laughs> we would slay the burger king <laughs> brought to you by mcdonald's during this same period where my daughter watched Mac and me, she watched a movie called The Last Starfighter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, one. sure. I think it's like a famous Star Wars knockoff, right? It's another Long's Drugs favorite from my childhood. Yeah. And I, again, that's another one where I only watched five or ten minutes, but I like happened into the room and they were, you know, the kid from the movie was in a like a car driving down the road or whatever, and they like get out. And I'm like, wait, this movie stars Professor Harold Hill yes. from The Music Man? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fucking Robert Preston is there. A man whose entire career was playing. Like, he's not just in the movie. He didn't just, like, win the Tony for the Broadway production. Like, he toured as Professor Harold Hill, like, into his 80s. For like 40 years, he was Professor Harold Hill. He was to Harold Hill as Yul Brenner was to the king and the king of Yes, Ice. exactly. And he's also in The Last Starfighter. <laughs> and he's very much the Alec Guinness type guy in that yeah. movie where you can tell that it's like, let's get somebody people might recognize. Yeah, let's get an older Shakespearean ha- actor who maybe has a drinking problem they need some <laughs> money to deal with. And how. That is an example, too, of a movie that had like, for what its time frame was, extremely impressive CGI, but then a year later, it seemed like the most outdated, horrible, like, it's like it's like the aha video level of, like, CGI. <laughs> I watched uh, In This Zone, I, uh, just last week, to, uh, to chat about it on a podcast, watched Howard the Duck for the first time. I had never seen Howard the Duck. And I was kind of looking forward to it in that, and I, what I kind of assumed about Howard the Duck is it was going to be, like, a Ghostbusters 2. You know how people like kind of shit on Ghostbusters 2, but when you see a couple minutes of it on TV, you're like, I don't know, come on. Bill Murray's got the talk show. Statue of Liberty walks around. What do you assholes hate about this? It's got some good jokes. Yeah, it's 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 a solid it's a solid sequel. It makes that makes no ambition to go better than the first movie, but it has some good jokes. in it. Yeah, there's no dick sucking in it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a uh, deleted scene where Harold Ramis eats out the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the slime comes from. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's the slime. That's what's her vaginal excretions. They had an ADR line in the slime comes from anger. Right. And then- <laughs> <laughs> you see and you see her eyes crossed. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm getting eaten out by Harold Ramis. This is what the Statue of Liberty sounds like. Harold Ramis is like Statue of Liberty. Give me your huddled masses. <laughs> <laughs> but I watched Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. It just, just sucks. It just sucks so bad. I was blown away by how much it sucked. It's just like not, you know, it is not the room. It is not fun to watch. It's just like, you know, it just like is this huge fucking face plant and sucks every second of the way. But there's this one thing that I can't tell if it's, I can't tell if this is the best or worst line ever. I don't, I don't know if this was intentional, but there's a Tim Robbins character. First of all, everyone is just acting at like high school play level levels of acting he's this like even the humanoid duck 
No, okay, so he's the only one who's not acting crazy. I mean, maybe that's the best decision. He's kind of low-key. You know, the duck knew what movie he was in, so he, he yeah. played to that performance. He actually toured that for decades after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he just randomly showed up in Lord of the Rings. Like, wow, that's the guy from Howard the Duck, and now he's in Lord yeah, of the Yeah, well, they wanted to get somebody credible. Yeah. Sure. And, yeah. you know, he had the drinking problem. Yeah, <laughs> sure. He played Howard the White, and that yeah. was like a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> he comes back as Howard the Gray after he yeah. dies. Yeah. Yeah, he goes backwards. He goes backwards in the Pantheon right. of Wizards. Yeah. You should never drink and fly a biplane. Is, I think, something that happened in Howard the Duck? Does he fly a biplane? <laughs> Boy, that biplane shit is so long. There's 45 minutes of biplane. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Howard the Duck in the theater with my dad. <laughs> That's he be was fun. like six or something. You can't make any biplane comedy once Indiana Jones and Last Crusade exists. Like, I feel like that is the pinnacle of biplane yeah. comedic performances. Yeah, and then you just put it to bed. It's triplanes or, or, or higher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> show me the spruce goose or show me nothing. <laughs> Give me Ted Stryker of the drinking problem or leave me at home. <laughs> so Tim Robbins is this nerdy, like, lab assistant who dreams of, like, that, like, Howard the Duck is going to get him his, like, promotion to like you know head scientist and at some point someone like takes he's like all right you're off the case and takes howard the duck away from him and he says ah now i'll never get my own museum (laughs) (laughs) i love that like misunderstanding of what a scientist is that like they own the museums (laughs) i i don't know if that's just like the laziest coked out writing or like just a weirdly hilarious line in this otherwise bad movie Howard the Duck is, and Riley, you may know this more because you're more of a comic person, or Jordan, you're a comic person as well. You may you may know this, but isn't Howard the Duck, like Fish Police, one of those things that is known in comic book world for its like creepy horniness, first and foremost? Like that it is like a, a second tier our crumb situation in the alternative comics world of X-rated adults only rack at the comic book store that then they kind of ended up making into a semi-family film. I think there is something, I don't know a lot about the history of the comic. I do know that it is definitely now owned by Marvel. I'm not sure how long Marvel's owned it. I think it was, it's, I think he's a Marvel character. I think he was a Marvel character. And yeah, and I I think you're right. I think that was them trying to chase like Fritz the cat or something. I think he might've been like a, like a leisure suit Larry level where it's not quite (laughs) as dirty as a Fritz or such, but it's like, (laughs) trying to get that audience he wasn't that funny riley <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's, it's like trying to like hey this is so edgy and dangerous but like right. actually extremely safe and just kind of juvenile i don't know i, I i'm sure some how a duck super fan is going to come after me for my my disparaging him but i do know that like that's the gag of him appearing in gardens of the galaxy is like he's like got like a smoking jacket and a cocktail and that's the kind of vibe that he has going for him i just want to say i'm glad that the late 1980s, early 1990s, 16-color, horny comedy adventure game, Leisure Suit Larry, finally came up on Jordan <laughs> Jesse Go. It's been 10 days since the last time. <laughs> Do we, we talk talked. about Leisure Suit Larry a lot on the show? I feel like we've talked about Leisure Suit Larry so many times. I'm sure we have talked about him. I don't doubt we have talked about I him. I got at my house when I was a kid. I never played. I've never played Leisure Suit Larry, but I, I got... <laughs> Because I bought, I'm going to say front page sports football, maybe I got a magazine published by Sierra online 
the software company that made Leisure Suit Larry. And there was so much leisure, the things that I remember from that, like they made King's Quest, which was like a legendary adventure game kind of thing. But like the things that I remember from that are promotions for various Leisure Suit Larrys and then a police simulator uh, that was endorsed by Daryl Gates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> police police quest, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? They're probably all just King's Quest re- reskinned as these things. I know he Larry was. So, yeah, I mean, it is it was truly like as an eight year old in the, you know, in the toilet reading this free magazine that came to the house after my subscription to uh, National Geographic for Kids ran out, <laughs> like just reading about how realistic the police brutalities were. <laughs> <laughs> Also, a screensaver where you're a castaway stuck on an island and it's a game. I remember that one. Yeah. I, what a weird. Yeah. What a weird world. You know, I guess they got Goat Simulator or whatever now, but that's kind of classy. Yeah. I spent a lot of time on Stray recently, the game where you're just a cat running around. So, I can't, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I dived into that thing. I played Goose Game, but I, nobody told me that I was going to spend $20 for Goose Game and then it was going to be like eight things were going to happen and then it would be done. That's about how Stray is. Stray is like 30 bucks. It's maybe about three hours long. But there's a meow button, right? There's yes. a button. <laughs> and it's a real cat's meow. Like they recorded an actual cat as a voice actor. They've been credited and shared and it's adorable. So Yeah. I'm sick of these fucking fake cats in video games. <laughs> Yeah, give us Leisure Suit Larry. At least you can jack off to that, right? <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Can't jack off to the Goose Game, believe me, I tried. <laughs> it's definitely a game that I played as a kid. My brother had gotten a copy of it, and it very much was that like fake sense of danger of like we're doing something really dangerous and naughty and playing Leisure Suit, Larry. like as if as if it was like us watching porn. But it's literally the most like I said, sixteen bit. Just digitized, just terrible MIDI sounds, whatever. I'm like, we're gonna get in so much trouble playing Leisure Suit Larry. Darcy Carden was on Bullseye recently, the wonderful comic actress, and uh, she's from the Bay Area. And her father was an alternative newspaper publisher. And in his like bio and stuff, it really highlights that he published this thing called BAM, which was Bay Area Music magazine or Barry music monthly or something. It was very cool. Like alternative newspaper about the San Francisco Bay area music scene, you know, it'd be Carlos Santana on the cover and then an article about the mystic journeyman or whatever, very high credibility stuff, lots of important work, but he also published this alternative newspaper called micro times <laughs> that was all computer news. And like, it was one of those things where you could pick it up at the, at the coffee shop you know, go down to, to Muddy Waters and you could get a copy of the Micro Times and you could order computer parts by mail and find a list of the phone numbers for local bulletin board systems. <laughs> and I remember getting a modem when I was, you know, 12 or something like that. And you could dial into the bulletin board systems. And I don't remember there being anything to do except that some of them had like R-rated stuff text-based sex games like where you would like wander around and then it would be like somebody would say like she says her pussy's wet (laughs) (laughs) like you couldn't like do sex or anything like it was all the equivalent of teeny weeny bikinis or whatever in text form 
<laughs> but that was my leisure suit. Larry was on the family desktop, logging into a BBS, noticing that if you pressed six or whatever, you could play a game where in text it described a bikini. Did you have the graphing calculator games that were like Pimp Quest or like Drug Wars and stuff like that at school? People definitely had those at school. I did not have, I was too broke to have my own graphing calculator. I had to use the one they let you borrow in class. Did that at least have Snake on it? It didn't even have fucking Snake, much less Drug Wars. They probably <laughs> formatted it every night like narcs. I know, these fucking narcs. Narcs, narc teachers. Formatting those graphing calculators. Can't have kids having fun. Jesus Christ. Unless their families can pay for it. Can't keep my drugs in the in the graphing calculator. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those graphing calculators, you couldn't even type boobs on them, you know, because they put the parental controls on. Jesse, you were talking about the, the magazine that uh, Darcy Carton's dad published was called uh, Microtimes. Microtimes, yeah. Was that a magazine about your penis? <laughs> Let's take a break. <laughs> I'll you held on to that. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. This episode of Jordan Jesse Go and every episode of Jordan Jesse Go is supported by the members of Maximum Fun, specifically the ones who listen to this program. That's the ones where we get a cut of their money. You know what I use that for, Jordan? Hmm. Food. Yum, yum. Technically, food is what powers this podcast. Goes in the mouth, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then I kind of clamp and release, clamp and release. Love and it. Love goes it. Goes from there. Oof. We're also supported this week by the good folks at Raycon. Now, Jordan, you know I'm what they call a music guy. I'm a music lover. You love it. Tunes, bass clef, treble clef, tempo. One of the things, so my buddy Camilo Landau from high school of course you guys know you guys know camila I, I played little league with him too before that camila's a great guitarist and he played on this record by a woman from san francisco called la Doña. and he just posted like oh i'm so excited that this record i played on is getting so much attention or something on twitter or facebook or something and i'm like oh i'll listen to something that camila played on i listened to it it rules so fucking hard uh i've been listening to la Doña non-stop since I heard about it. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's it's got some reggaeton vibes, some cumbia vibes, some different kind of Mexican stuff vibes. Uh, she's from the same neighborhood I'm from, the Mission District in San Francisco. Uh, she sings, she plays trumpet. It really kicks ass. It's really great. And you know what I love to use to listen to it, Jordan? What? My Raycon buds. Yeah. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. Jesse, I love these things too. I've got Raycons and uh, yeah, use them for tunes, listen to podcasts, phone calls. I love to make a little phone call with my Raycons. Everything sounds good. Uh, hello, show business, Jordan here. <laughs> what? You're not interested? All right. <laughs> I'll try again tomorrow. Well, back to podcasting. <laughs> The Raycons are about half the price of other premium audio brands. They sound great. You know, you can you can create sound profiles for I want something that's clear as a bell for when I'm listening to my audiobooks. I want something with some thump 
for when Ladonia is on the stereo. You know these these are uh, these are great products. Yeah, they're awesome. The best wireless earbuds I've I've ever had. I I love them. I use them, and uh, yeah, the fact that they are such a good value really just just makes them a slam dunk. Go to buyraycon.com/jjgo today to get fifteen percent off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com/jjgo to score fifteen percent off. Buyraycon.com/jjgo. We're also supported this week by the folks over at Lumi Labs who specialize in microdosing. Now, some of you out there may already be macrodosing, but if you want to turn it down a notch, why not try Lumi Labs and their microdosing products? Yeah, these are microdose gummies that deliver perfect entry level doses of THC. That's THC that starts in the mailroom, mm-hmm. and they help you feel just the right amount of good. You know, I think everybody out there has maybe had an experience with edibles. Maybe it was great. Maybe you're like, why the heck am I so high? And I feel like I'm in a vortex and I'm worried. You're like, I'm just trying to watch King of the Hill here. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I'm just trying to enjoy some King of the Hill. The episodes where Chuck Mangione plays himself, yeah. and I'm just zonked out of my mind on... That's uh, too much THC. I don't know you. Sure, right. Sort of like a King of the Hill thing combined with yeah. too much THC. Love it. But these Lumi Labs microdose gummies are, they're just a little bit. You can control your dose. If you want to have two, you can have two. If you want to have three, you can have three. But yeah, if you want to just pop one, it gives you just... A nice little bit of chill. It helps you sleep. Uh, I've definitely been having a little bit of trouble with sleep lately, and uh, popping one of these Lumi Labs microdose gummies really helps before bedtime. Couldn't recommend it more. I talked to my sibling, Brendan, recently, and uh, Brendan had COVID a month or two ago. And I was like, well, what's your advice? You know, because I feel sick and whatever. And he's like, just eat some marijuana and chill. <laughs> so that's what I did. I had my Lumi Labs micro doses. You know, I ate a little bit and just chilled. It was nice. I wasn't like super high or anything. Could still follow King of the Hill. Yeah, exactly. That's what's important. Peggy's going to the goddamn Boggle Championship. <laughs> Peggy loves Boggle. Ann Richards is there or whatever. Anyway, uh, the microdose is available nationwide. And to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. Use the code JJGO to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com. Code JJGO. Go. And hey, remember, we are on Twitter now, so follow us at Jordan Jesse Go for uh, all the fun announcements and dank memes that Daniel and Jordan and I can muster. They're all there on, on Twitter.com slash Jordan Jesse Go. Hey, Jesse, can I do a little plug? Can I do a little plug while we're, while we're plugging stuff? As long as there's a flared base, we've got to keep it safe. <laughs> sure, right. So open up your ass, everyone. <laughs> I'm about <laughs> to plug it. I've spent a, a year and some change working on this uh, video game that's out now. It's called Rumbleverse. Uh, it is free to play on many popular video game platforms. I had such a fun time working on it, doing lots of jokes, lots of little goofs, but also some big kind of lorey world-building stuff. The game is so fun. It's a battle royale with wrestlers and crazy fighting game moves. Uh, yeah, tons of fun. I would love to hear from people who are who are enjoying it. Daniel, maybe uh, maybe we could post a little little trailer for Rumbleverse on uh, on the old Jordan Jesse Go Twitter account. You can check it out. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking for a way to maybe get some max fun people to all play together. I don't know quite how that works, but if uh, if I can 
wrangle it. I would love to see it happen. True. And I, yeah. aren't you like a big computer guy? I thought you were a big computer guy. I'm actually not. No, I'm just a Dorcas. Do you think no, you I, could come over and fix my computer? No, I Jordan? can't. No, I cannot help okay. with that. I cannot help okay. with that. Uh, but yeah, I can tell you a lot about uh, Mortal Kombat fatalities, how they changed from game to game. Okay, great. Nothing useful. That'll work. But yeah, but uh, Rumbleverse is a ton of fun. And I also, uh, I've, I've slipped in a little podcasting Easter egg that references a member of our extended podcasting family i don't think anyone's caught it yet but i have seen it in there so if you catch it i'd love to see somebody post it it was a, a fun little tribute to one of our buddies we'll be back in just a second on jordan jesse go it's jordan jesse go i'm jesse thorne america's radio sweetheart jordan morris boy detective Riley Silverman, Jedi Archivist. So you keep the holocron cubes? You are the keeper of the holocron cubes? Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. If you want to come ask me where why a planet's not showing up in the archives, I'm going to give you some sass about it and say it doesn't <laughs> exist, even though then a scene later, you'll be like, I just talked to this lady and said it didn't exist, and then the kids will make fun of you, and then you're the idiot, so. Right. What's your favorite uh, space alien from Tatooine? From Tatooine, I, I guess the Jawas, I guess, would be, I like little guys who run around just scabbing. I don't mean that, like, lit was born and raised you could include the different space guys from the space oh, bar the jizz band I got, it, I got it there's a there's a there's a set of priests old ben kenobi <laughs> there's there's a set of priests in jabba's palace that essentially as part of trying to like get complete sense of deprivation sensory deprivation remove their brains have them put in jars and they're carried around by giant spider bodies dope yeah, yeah i can i mean i do that shit how's the orgasms I imagine pretty good. Leech is too Larry level. Yeah, probably pretty good, right? Yeah. Because you got the eight legs and... Oh, yeah. Nobody blasts harder than spiders. <laughs> Where do you think those webs come from, huh? Thank you very much, <laughs> From their wet farts, that's where. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's their thing, though. Don't kink shame them. Spiders have a cloaca, so it's how they come, web, and fart. It's the same hole. You know, I was just thinking about... about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hmm. You know how they think is that's just old Ben Kenobi? In Star Wars, if you want to pick a, a normal name, like a boring name to tell people, it's Ben. But everyone else has a space name. It's all. Well, it's also you give them the same last name that you've yeah. been going by and yeah. you're trying to hide from. I'm, I'm Ben Kenobi. Old Ben was a second draft. His original fake name was not Obi-Wan. <laughs> It's Frank, and they're like, make it more spacey. They're like, all right, how about Ben? I don't know. <laughs> Get off my back. Ben seems too normal. Okay, how about old Ben? Okay, yeah. now, you're, now you're hitting it. <laughs> Look, when something momentous happens to you, we ask you to call us at 206-984-4FUN or send us a voice memo at jjgo at maximumfun.org. Uh, here's a momentous occasion now. Hi, Jordan, Jesse, and Go. This is Sarah. I'm calling in with a momentous occasion. Um, this evening, I was diagnosing a leaky toilet. My toilet has sprung a leak. And the diagnosis, and Daniel, was murder. <laughs> Friends, it's Nick Van Dyke here. <laughs> Dial T for toilet. <laughs> Did Sue Grafton do all those? Uh... That's Sue Grafton, okay, yeah. yeah. It's going to be, well, Dial M for murder is Hitchcock, but then... Right. Then Sue Grafton was T for Toilet. That was her famous detective novel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> T for Toilet. P for Poop Log. Uh, Daniel, you can 
Go ahead and play the rest yeah, of the you call. You can just press play. We're it's not probably... doing anything important here. <laughs> Um, I got to live out everyone's favorite comedy trope by turning a valve the wrong direction and blasting myself in the face with water, um, which uh, is is fun, but not as fun at 2 a.m. Um, anyway, love you guys. Thanks. Bye. Love you, too. That's a fucking classic mishap. I think this call opens up a pretty exciting door for us. Describing mm-hmm. physical comedy. <laughs> we don't actually have to do it on the show. Right. Because, you know, like I, you know, I got bad joints and, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. in great shape. So like doing, you know, stunts and pratfalls, you know, probably would be be bad for me. But if I can just, you know, say like, oh, excuse me, Jesse, I have to uh, move this wedding cake off this high shelf. <laughs> right. Daniel throws in a bunch of splats. Yeah. And boom, we got ourselves a, a yuckathon. We're lucky that Daniel still works here, given what happened between me and him earlier on when we were getting ready for the big dessert rush at the bakery. Mm. <laughs> How'd that go? Well, we had a disagreement. Well, we got to chucking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jordan, we got to chucking, and I'm not talking here about empanadas. Right. Talking about desserts. You threw a bunch of desserts? Yeah, pies specifically, cream pies. <laughs> yeah, mostly cream pies. And where did they, where did that pie go? Uh, well, uh, let's just say it didn't go in our mouths, but some of it did go on our mouths. Riley, it was a pie fight. We hit each other with pies. It was classic physical comedy. Riley, we just have to describe it for it to be funny. Oh, excuse me, uh, Jesse. Hold on. There's a that's a banana peel on the floor. I should just. <laughs> I should just. Oh, I, I'm gonna see what I can do about that. Oh, a scorpion bit my penis. <laughs> Classic. While I was inspecting this banana peel, I got bit on the penis by a scorpion. Riley, would you mind helping me move this piano down these steps in Echo Park? <laughs> Look out for scorpions. Yeah. <laughs> so just recently on the program, we had this conversation about. The Looney Tunes Factory song, which, by the way, is called Powerhouse, apparently. But let's be frank, it's called the Cartoon Factory song, and it goes... And we have a lot of really musically talented listeners on the show, and we challenge them to write lyrics to that song and then perform them for us and send them to us at jjgoatmaximumfun.org. Now, in the past, when we've done this, we've had jazz combos record songs for us we've had some pretty extraordinary song parodies sent into us and you know every journey starts with a single step so so far we've got the one so far we've got the one and we're gonna play this one and see where it goes okay because who knows this might inspire the next one the next one the next one right this is the velvet underground of (laughs) looney tunes factory songs with lyrics I think you could argue that the, uh, <laughs> that the Leonard Cohen Hallelujah parody about Walton Goggins vodka is the sure. Velvet Underground right. of yeah yeah. Everybody who listened to that song parody started a song parody themselves. <laughs> started furiously writing lyrics mm-hmm. <laughs> to the Factory song from Looney Tunes. They actually made a documentary about mm. that song parody. That's how popular yeah. song parody got to be. They did. Uh, so, Daniel, play this one that we have received. Jordan, Jesse, special guest, Paul Rubens. This is Jim from Erie with lyrics for the Factory song. 
inspired by Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, because that is indeed in the opening credits. Can you pause this, Daniel? The first good part about this that I like is that obviously when Powerhouse, the original song, was recorded, it was one of those things where they got all the musicians in one room and they just had a big bell with a little needle that was like carving into a piece of shellac or whatever to record the song. And I'm glad that he's recreated that recording quality here by (laughs) recording this. In an actual factory. (laughs) Yeah, in the busy parking lot of a... Kmart. Well, he was in the middle of moving a glass pane back and forth across the street with a buddy of his also recording this, so he's just doing double duty. I feel like I often in my life am disappointed that I'm not Paul Rubens, and now I feel extra disappointed that it's been called out directly to me. One time I was talking to um, Dana Gould, friend of the program Dana Gould, one of the funniest guys around, and Dana Gould, for some time, he's a Planet of the Apes nut. And for some time, he and his uh, former wife lived together in a house that they had bought from the estate of Roddy McDowell. It was an incredible house in the Hollywood Hills. Dana's ex was the programming chief of HBO at one point. And they were really living it up in this Roddy McDowell house. And I was talking to Dana about it one day. And he said that Dana told me that he was just hanging out with Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens found out uh, that he had lived there. And just told Dana like six different stories of crazy shit that had happened when he went to parties at Roddy McDowell's house. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I've actually been to a party at Dana Gould's house, that, but not that same house. Not but a that later. one. So it's a whole full cycle. Does the new Dana Gould house still have a totem pole of apes from one of the later Planet of the Apes movies? Not that I noticed. I think that was I think that, that stayed at the old house, I believe. <laughs> With custom uplighting. That's the thing I remember the most from Dana's house. It's a legitimately beautiful house. Okay, anyway, we're getting too far afield. And Riley, I, hey, don't be too down on yourself. At some point, you'll appear in the movie Mystery Man. <laughs> <laughs> Someday you'll appear in Mystery Man. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, Daniel, let's listen to the rest of that song. Rick Moranis invented a shrink ray. Rick Moranis invented a shrink ray. Rick Moranis invented a shrink ray. Think it's gonna cause some problems. We are just two neighbor families. Couldn't really be much different. Wonder how we'll come together. Oh, that's right, Rick made that shrink ray. My dad's weird. Your dad's weird. And they do not understand us. I think you're weird. You think I'm weird. A lot of our behavior mirrors our parents. Now we're small and stuck in the backyard. Riding bees and getting lawn mowed. Drowning in a river of dog piss. Older siblings. Sexual tension. Lawn mode is a good verb. Become friends now. Riding ants across the backyard. He's on it. We'll call him anti. Riders really found that one in Scorpion. Scorpion. Time for us to band together. Wayne Zelinski is the character's Scorpion. name. Wayne Zelinski. Can you pause this, Daniel? Here's the thing. He's accusing the writers of phoning in the nickname Anti for the guy that rides on the ant. I think that was the ant's name. That was the aunt's name? I think the aunt's name was Auntie. I, okay. I remember the children, you know, like asking Auntie not to die after he fights the scorpion. I'm just saying that this, the lyric is, ride on ant, we call him Auntie. That is at least, at least as half-assed as calling the ant Auntie. <laughs> ride on ant. 
I think it's worth just pointing saying. out too. And I don't want to like shit on this caller. It's like we said to do a thing. The writers probably got paid more than the caller did. <laughs> yeah. Is that worth mentioning? The writer definitely of that movie definitely has residuals that have bought them a house that has totem poles of, of apes and stuff. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a Disney movie in the uh, in the late eighties. <laughs> yeah, whatever their kind of totem pole is, whether it's fucking Planet of the Apes or a Star Wars totem pole or the African Queen. Sure, wacky races. Yeah, that's a totem pole you can have. Yeah, so I mean, I th- yeah, worth pointing out. Rick Moranis doesn't invent the shrink ray. Wayne Zelinsky does. Okay, that's the character's name. That's the character's name. Here's my question. Do you think Wayne Zelinsky from the Honey Trunk the Kids franchise is related to the Dan Aykroyd character Zelinsky that is in the movie Tommy Boy, who owns the auto parts company? Oh, interesting. Is there a, is there a, a Dan Aykroyd, Rick Moranis multiverse happening here? Yeah, right. This is a continuity of Canadian comedians. Yeah, who've also both been in Ghostbusters. Right. A dream that the kid from Twin Peaks is having in his coma or whatever <laughs> mm-hmm. the fuck it is. He's inventing shrink rays. His brother is gutting the factory in Sandusky, Ohio that makes brake pads. It's just all tragic. Is Cronenberg Canadian? Maybe the fly from the fly is part of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids over. Yeah, it has kind of a funny Polish name. (laughs) (laughs) That's another funny thing from Ghostbusters 2 when Rick Moranis is defending them in court and he's like, one time I turned into a dog and they saved me. And then he sits down. (laughs) (laughs) Ghostbusters 2, good. Howard the Duck, not good. I watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids not that long ago when my child became obsessed with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and watched all of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids films. Uh, the rest of them are not good, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids remains very charming. It's a little creaky, but very charming. In that realm of me being a Disney adult, I miss the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience attraction that was once at the yeah. Walt Disney World in Florida. I'm going to be frank with you. I've had I've never been able to muster anything but resentment for Honey, I Shrunk the Audience because <laughs> I just I just see it as a Captain EO usurper. That's fair. I can only see it as having destroyed the one thing I truly loved at Disneyland from childhood to adulthood. I see it vaguely as a as a Muppet Vision 4D usurper mm. myself. So. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yes. If I could bring back one 3D film, it will be Muppet Vision 4D. Michael Palin's in it, though, right? Isn't Michael Palin uh, do a little cameo in that? Is Michael Palin in Honey, I, in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or in... I think he's in like the line video for Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. I oh think he's gosh. like in the like explaining the plot to you. What what kind of what did he need to buy that week that he said yes to that project? What do you think he was like trying to pay off? I don't. I mean, hard hard to say. Cigarette boat, probably. <laughs> Gila monster. <laughs> I don't know what what Palin's uh, what Palin's deal is, but probably threw a Gila monster off a cigarette boat. You know how John Cleese is uh, likes to complain now about how wokeness is the death of comedy or whatever. Sure, yeah. And I mean, look. I met John Cleese one time to interview him for Bullseye. Thankfully, I got that in before he started on this trail. He couldn't have been more lovely or brilliant. And obviously, he's one of the great comedy geniuses. And obviously, he's wrong about what he's ruining comedy. He's very wrong and old. But to me, I think the most magical thing about him having that complaint is that he is literally a man who quit comedy to focus on television ads. <laughs> like this is a guy who like spent a decade or 15 years of his career just starting an ad writing company to make Magnavox ads <laughs> instead of making film and television. Uh, Mr. Bean's also kind of on that train. Rowan Atkinson oh, yeah. is also on the, uh, you can't say anything because of the snowflakes train. And it's like, wait, 
what? Which he said on his press tour for a series of television where he was literally just him fighting a bee. Like, he made his whole speech <laughs> yeah. about... I mean, honestly, that sounds pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> he probably does a good job. I'd watch Rowan Atkinson fight a fucking bee. But yeah, like, what What if someone told you you can't do Rowan Atkinson? Uh, get a chicken <laughs> on your head? Uh, is that... Are people saying that that's, uh, you know, problematic in some way? I only recently learned... Turkey, and this, turkey gets stuck on his head. I'm sorry. I think extremely online British comedy people know this backwards and forwards, and it's very old news. Um, but I'm not one of them. So I just learned that like Rowan Atkinson's new wife, fiance, he stole from the wonderful... 30-year-old stand-up comedian James Acaster. <laughs> like Wait, James really? Acaster was brilliant and hilarious. James Acaster, uh, go listen to his interview on Bullseye from a few years ago. He's a very funny man, a very talented stand-up comic, very sweet guy. Had a girlfriend <laughs> who was in a movie <laughs> with Mr. Bean <laughs> and left James Acaster for Mr. Bean and now they're getting married. <laughs> Mr. Bean's like 65 or whatever. I mean, and then that the worst part is, is, you know, you just have to relive it over and over again every time you get a turkey stuck on your head. Like, oh, what could have been? That brings up the really horrible realization for me that Mr. Bean must be really good at sex. Because like, I, I, yeah. he must, I mean, it's the same skills as getting your head stuck in a turkey. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Right. Now I'm like, what if Teresa left me for Leslie Nielsen? <laughs> like, how would I feel? Anyway, I'm just saying. So that was pretty, I mean, that's definitely going to be the best plot summary of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids set to Powerhouse, the factory song from uh, Looney Tunes that we're going to get. We got a lot of really excited and passionate corrections mm. saying that we needed to identify that the song was called powerhouse and it was by the guy who made powerhouse uh, because apparently there's there's a lot of like early white jazz cartoon music nerds in our audience who are very passionate so god bless your them. audience i can't imagine that being the case i know <laughs> it doesn't seem like some people who really took a deep dive on the influences of squirrel nut zippers would be in our audience <laughs> it's like they've never seen the old bosco and honey shorts <laughs> do they even know who bosco and honey are uh, these people are the opposite of sunshine makers <laughs> It's one of those, probably. Sunshine Makers has some. That's a good one. Have you ever seen the Sunshine Makers? No, I we're happy when we're sad. We're always feeling bad. My dad used to sing that to me when I was feeling bad. It was actually a really bad thing because it didn't honor my feelings. Right. But now that I look back on it, pretty funny for him, probably. <laughs> Our parents are complicated. And you know what? We're all complicated. Not me. <laughs> I got like four things. I got, I'm from San Francisco. Uh, basically the one thing now that I think about it, <laughs> just that one thing. I mean, I got a couple different tones of it. Uh, JJ go at maximumfun.org. I think there's a lot of directions people could go with this. Like, obviously somebody's going to want to say like, oh, I, I summarized Condor Man. I summarized 
the nutty professor i summarized the shaggy da yeah like let's try to keep it to joe dante movies okay yeah please <laughs> so gremlins 2 small, so small soldiers, soldiers is small in play. soldiers yeah i worked at a burger king the summer small soldiers came out that was oh, a formative year of wow. my life pretty extraordinary selling burgers crushing on kirsten dunst come on yeah she fine though she fine uh, the rest of that movie, very disconcerting to me as a child. <laughs> so I don't remember why. I just remember it made me really uncomfortable. Because you like, Spinal Tap deserves better than this. Yeah. 206-984-4-FUN or send us the voicemail. Just, you can just email us the song at jjgo at maximumfun.org. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. La, 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 la. There, I'm Ellen Weatherford. And I'm Christian Weatherford. And we've got big feelings about animals that we just gotta share. On Just the Zoo of Us, your new favorite animal review podcast, we're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't, rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles. It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears. So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. La, 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 la. Is it? Oh, yes. Hi, I'm Carrie. I am Psychic Ross, and I will be reading you this evening. Oh, interesting. Well, okay. I co-host a podcast. It's called Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Yes, I'm sensing that. The spirits are telling me it is a show about Well, it's about like fringe science and spirituality and claims of the paranormal. Oh, you knew that. You do research online. But more importantly, like we do in-person investigations. In-person investigate as well. Oh, my God. That's amazing. See? Me and my friend. This is so weird. My friend Ross same name as you weird he and i just go and try them all out and actually we've gone to a number of psychics and to be honest with you it's a lot like this it's called ono ross and carrie they can find it at maximumfun.org i could have told you that it's jordan jesse go i'm jesse thorne america's radio sweetheart jordan morris boy detective riley silverman jedi archivist i i have a correction yeah that i would like to present thanks jordan Thank you. To the audience. I, you know, got caught up in the last segment. I just, I don't know. I just started running my mouth. And, you know, this happens a lot with, you know, straight white guys. We just, you know, we think we know everything and we haven't been challenged. So we just start talking and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not considering, you know, other people and we're not considering the facts. And sometimes you just, in the heat of the moment, you say that, Joe Dante directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, when in fact it was the directing debut of... Old Ben Dante. (laughs) ...of Joe Johnston, who went on to direct The Rocketeer and Jurassic Park 3. So I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to listen to Joe Johnston, and I'm going to try to do better by Joe Johnston, who also directed Jumanji. So... Can I say something to Joe Johnston? I was about to say if he's out there, but obviously he's listening. Yeah. Joe Johnson, director of The Rocketeer in Jurassic Park 3, which maybe is the one that stars Bill Macy. It is. It's the Bill Macy and Taylor Leone. Taylor Leone. Yeah. 
uh, Joe Johnson, I just want you to know I'm holding space for you. I'm holding space. I thought I was going to issue a correction, but I looked it up and I, I thought I said, I thought I said Kirsten Dunst and I thought her name was Kristen Dunst, but I was actually correct. It is Kirsten Dunst. So being a trans lesbian lady, I'm actually usually correct and usually mean the right thing that I said. So <laughs> yeah. if you think that I made a mistake, I think I might've said something else that you probably all like, I think I might've said the aha video when I actually meant money for nothing, but uh, I meant what I said when I said it. So before you correct yeah. me, just know that if you come to me, check your privilege. I just want to say to Kristen Dunst, I'm holding space for you. <laughs> I will not let you be erased. And uh, while we're in this apologetic mood, um, I think mm-hmm. we should apologize to some other listeners that we have wronged with our stupidity. And this is something that we've opened up specifically because we do have a new Twitter handle at Jordan Jesse Go. It's a great place to share dank memes, obviously. Not just show announcements, but a lot of really incredibly dank memeage. But it's also somewhere that we have in the short term at this time agreed to accept corrections. Yeah. In the past, we've referred them to our quality control agents at JD Power, but we are accepting them directly at this time until such time as Daniel, uh, our producer, has to um, do one of those like quiet quittings where you have emotional burnout from uh, judging whether too many Facebook comments are racist or whatever. Uh, so uh, some corrections that came our way uh, via our Twitter account at Jordan Jesse go it's from stuff. Mike sees Oni, the postal mail dog is originally from Albany, New York, home of other famous dog mascots like Nipper, the RCA dog. Please stop suppressing Albany's special place in dog mascot history. All right. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> I'm willing to cop to that one. Obviously, I'm really passionate about Oni, the postal dog. Uh, this is a dog that in the beginning of the 20th century, if I'm not mistaken, traveled the rails on postal trains, uh, being passed from postal train man to postal train man. Um, at each post office or with each train, he would get a medal, uh, which he would put on his dog vest until his dog vest became too heavy for him to walk, at which time they issued him a new dog vest. And uh, he became a famous mascot of the Postal Service and eventually upon his death was stuffed and mounted and is available for viewing in the Postal Service Museum in Washington, D.C., which is an okay museum with a really tremendous uh, stuffed and mounted postal dog with a vest covered in post medals is absolutely incredible. Anyway, um, I will admit that in focusing this story on our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., I did elide the portion of Oni's story that tied in with Albany's legendary history of famous dog mascots, including Nipper, the RCA dog, the one who's in the famous illustration, his master's voice, uh, where the dog is listening to the big bell of the gramophone uh, and he's hearing his master and getting confused because the sound production is so accurate. Okay. And uh, one final one here from at Matthew R. End. There are 19 states, mostly in the South and Midwest, that do not require front license plates, freeing the driver to purchase and install lewd German replica plates, most on BMWs, Audis, and VWs. Swedish plates can go on Saabs as well, but no Italian plates on your Ferrari. That's like one of those classic anti-Italian racism things like The Godfather. Right. Yes, exactly. This is as bad as The Godfather. 
Yeah, the, roughly is bad. There's one from at Fohammer that says, Dear Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm sure you've said something incorrect about Magic the Gathering at some point, and I was probably frothing with disdain. <laughs> General apology, please. <laughs> I mean, this one is not technically a correction in the sense that this person doesn't even remember anything and that they were mad about, just that this is something that they're always mad about. So they figure at some point <laughs> they were mad at us about yeah. it. It's a safe assumption. Yeah. My assumption here, my other assumption is that at Fohammer is the stealth account for John Darnell of the Mountain Goats. <laughs> so yeah, at just general blanket apology to fans of Magic the Gathering, Star Trek, Star Wars, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the thank, you, thank you for that one. Pokemon. Pokemon. The Dragon Lance Dragon novels. Ball Z. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Mario and his enemies. Uh, yeah. A lot of times when I say Wario... I'm thinking of Waluigi. Mm. That's not something the audience might pick up on just because I don't know a lot about Wario either. And a lot of times when I say Waluigi, I'm thinking about uh, baseball so I can stay hard longer. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jordan. Nothing makes me harder than thinking about baseball. (laughs) I love to think about the old crack of the bat. (laughs) Because in this scenario, I'm turned off by Waluigi. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I mean, traditionally, people would think about baseball so as not to come, which I guess indirectly is a way of staying hard longer. But I think in this description, I think thinking about baseball for you is erotic, Jordan. Listen, the more we talk, the more we're going to have to apologize. (laughs) So (laughs) speaking of the aforementioned Darcy Cardin, I do think that there is a legion of women loving women across the country for which that has become very true about because of the Amazon Prime series, Uh, A League of Their Own. Yes. yes, uh, yes, uh, Which is effectively known as the lesbian baseball show. So yeah, it is very lesbian. That's a fun show. I really enjoyed that. I watched a fair bit of it for when Darcy Cardin was on Bullseye. Very fun. I do know some baseball nerds who are upset because in that league, they they started out pitching underhand Mm. uh, for the first two seasons. Sure, sure. Maybe there's the size of the penance is incorrect. Yeah. Uh, Well, we're sorry. Thank you for continuing to listen to our show, despite all our grievous errors, including Mm. errors we made about General Grievous. Yeah, we made quite a few General Grievous related errors. I think Riley probably sent us angry. I said he didn't like lightsabers. No, he didn't show up on Tatooine and that I'm aware of. So I'm okay, sure someone will come enough. in and be like, actually, there was an episode of Clone Wars where he was on Tatooine. So. <laughs> it all goes back to the Clone Wars. If you missed some shit, it was in the Clone Wars. He might have been on Tatooine in the Clone Wars movie because I know Asajj Ventress was there when they kidnapped so, Jabba the Hutt's kids. So. Well, we obviously we all know that, but we're talking about General Grievous yeah, here. So I'm wondering if Grievous is there as well. At Jordan Jesse Go on Twitter. Did we make any mistakes? And was General Grievous ever on Tatooine? <laughs> well, I know Anakin fought Dooku on Tatooine. Well, everyone knows that. General Grievous, an animated fan film. That sounds pretty dope. It's probably pretty good. Listen, everybody go and buy Riley Star Wars books. You love Star Wars. You love Riley. By the way, just so you know, if he did fight General Grievous in the Guinea Tartacot. The, the Guinea, I can't ever pronounce the guy's last name. Yeah, Guinea Tarkovsky. Yeah, if if he fought him in that, that that is not considered canon. So don't come at me with that. Don't hide your ats. Yeah, that that's a uh, that's a that's a legend now, right? Yeah, even mm. though characters from it show up in the other. Yeah, in, I, it's fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a whole thing. That was not a Star Wars thing, though. General Grievous fought him in uh, Gendy Tarkovsky's Dune, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. <laughs> right in Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> 
Riley, uh, where are the best places to get your Star Wars books? They are sold in your your common bookstores. Uh, any, any bookstore you like to... I, I, I support small businesses, so I support independent bookstores. So if you have a bookshop that you love, go down there. If they don't currently have it, tell them you want it. There's There are three books... There is the aforementioned Exploring Tatooine Illustrated Guide. There is Galaxy's Edge Treasures from Batu, And then there is the Life Day pop-up book and advent calendar. And those things are all going to be available. And I think I think by the time you hear this, they may already be available or will be able to come soon. So you can get them at your big ones. You can get them at your Amazons and your Barnes and Nobles and those things. But uh, I say support indie bookstores. Tatooine book has a real cool look to it, too. Really beautifully designed. Yeah, I was really amazed by the artwork in that one. Uh, and yeah, hey, there's one thing I know about the uh, your local indie bookstore. They love to order something for you. They love it. They love it. It's like thinking about baseball for these for these dorks. <laughs> They're so fucking hard. I think people like to be in business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Everyone loves their store to stay open. <laughs> Please spend money in our location. Yeah. Sure. And of course, Joe loves the network. Also, listen, Trouble Waters, which I am still writing for and quite yeah. love doing. It's really a lot of fun. So wonderful program with our friend Dave Holmes. Uh, as funny as it gets, good times. Can I ask you one Star Wars question before we go? Sure. You know the Jawas yeah. from Tatooine? Those little guys with those little hats on? Yeah, yeah, I read the book about Yeah. You know how they have that big uh, sort of Cybertruck kind of thing? Yeah. How do they get such a big Cybertruck when they're such little guys? Well, that actually is a thing I know, the answer to that question. Yeah, And what it is, is that previously in the history of Tatooine, a mining company had thought there would be like minerals that were worth mining on the planet, and they brought a bunch of equipment to do that with, and then there wasn't enough worth doing that with, so they just left all this junk on the planet. So these crawlers are actually mobile mining facilities, and that's why when you're inside of it, it looks like an industrial plant. And the Jawas have repurposed them and used them for scavenging. Those fucking things are one of the coolest looking yeah. shits in all of Star Wars. Star Wars is great. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars is really good. I'm a fan. God, yeah. I could just look at different Star Wars shit all day long. I love looking at that Star Wars shit. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Riley, you're you're hilarious, and I'm. Gener- I was I was so excited when I heard you were doing this. It's, it's like so cool when like one of your friends like gets the perfect job for them. Uh, so you. yeah, I'm I'm just so stoked that you got to do this, and hopefully you just get to you get to keep doing it. Oh, I hope so. We're yeah, stoked, people. Buy the books. Come on. Brand new one, Star Wars Exploring Tatooine, an illustrated guide. You can go get it at your local indie bookstore. You can buy it on a popular online website, wherever you please. And in fact, you can just search for Riley Silverman because her name's right there on the fucking cover. Yeah, that's right. She's credited. Yeah, if you go to RileySilverman.com slash books, there's a whole link site in there. A lot of different ways to order this book. You know what? We'll put a link up on our Twitter at Jordan Jesse Go. How about that? There you go. Another reason to follow. The man behind the Twitter, Daniel Zaffron, our producer, you can find us also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Jordan Jesse Go. Uh, Jordan and I are on Twitter at Jordan underscore Morris and at Jesse Thorne. Uh, we are on Instagram at Jordan David Morris and at put.this.on, where, by the way, Jordan, a lot of people ask me, uh, about pictures of the tiny Japanese fire truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of pictures of me with that tiny Japanese fire truck on my Instagram at put dot this dot on. Uh, just scroll, scroll a little bit. Look for a picture of a tiny Japanese fire truck. That's where the pictures of that are. Our theme music is Love You by The Free Design, courtesy of The Free Design and Light in the Attic Records. Our thanks to them. And uh, that's probably all the things. We'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. Hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.